welcome back to the League of Ultimate Questing, where we bring the party to you. And by party, I mean highly trained team of adventurous heroes who put their lives on the line against foes big and small for your viewing pleasure. With me in the booth, as always, is League veteran and orc of the people, Stormclad Thundertongue. Give this season's a wild ride that ain't slowing down. I don't know what they're putting in those healing potions, but these kids are giving 110. They're chomping at the bed, hungry for danger, and washing it down with a tall, frosty mug of showmanship. Ah, we got teams doing back-to-back -back quests and not even stopping to bang the dents out of their armor. And the fans are loving it. Right you are, Storm. Every year, the bar is raised ever higher, and it seems like we're witnessing the future of professional questing in all its glory. More mysterious dungeons, more nail-biting close combat, and with it comes more team casualties. Look, we got vets and fresh faces alike dropping like flies, and you hate to see it. I mean, it's all fun and games when they got the coin for resurrection, right? But let me tell you, once you've fallen in battle and been dragged screaming back to your corpus, only to be put back on the front lines, you start thinking there's more to the cost of reanimation than a sparkly rock and some clerical juju. You sound like you're talking from experience, Storm. Got a story you want to share? No. Oh, well, uh... <clears throat> Uh, let's check in on the Mortal Dawn, then. <laughs> the Mortal Dawn has set out from the capital of Dornheim, Whitefall, with their very first hero rank quest from Lady Ava Melbar. She seeks the information as to the safety of her father, who went underground several years ago in some sort of panic about a war against the mages and bought himself a very secret fallout shelter somewhere near a strange village called Truce. The party is in ankle-deep snow trudging through the winter-thrown mountains as the vision of Whitefall vanishes behind them. And the first thing I would like is for Arvid, who is very much in their favored domain, to make me a survival check just for guiding your group through the dangerous mountain passes to the nearby village. That's a 10. So that's a total of 13. <laughs> nice. That's good enough. You lose the trail for a little bit because while you are a native of Dornheim, this is a region you've never explored. You've never been to the Winter Throne Mountains. And as you make it along, you find a path eventually that's somewhat buried under the snow that leads inward to the town. And after about a day and a half of traveling, one night resting in more of a little secluded area by the rocks where the wind is not quite as harsh, you catch view of the village of Truce. And as described, it is split right down the middle. There is a series of leather buildings like huts and bungalows on one side. A lot of them have spears embedded into the ground. They look a little more primal, very natural, lots of mud and stone. And on the other side, there is a much more refined series of buildings with actual storefronts and apartments. No more than 30 buildings in the entire town, though. And right down the middle is a wide causeway. One half of the town is controlled by what is called the Rintari, which are the local races of orcs, hobgoblins, hill giants, ogres, things that kind of work together in hives um, to survive in the harsh mountainy climate. And the other half is the humans that are kind of on the trade route between here and the south. So there's not very many of either, and they call this village truce, which is almost tongue-in-cheek because the tension here is high, even entering town. You can tell as you enter the thoroughfare that all eyes are upon you, and it's almost like they're waiting to see which side of town you choose to approach first. Does it feel like the air might set on fire to you? I think it's too cold for that. I, I, I mean, I feel really uneasy here. What does that have to do with heat of air? It's an expression. Ah, ah I see more of those. <laughs> and the scene is set for the biggest game of Red Rover ever. <laughs> <laughs> the, let's see here. I'm going to point to somebody on the right side of the street, whatever that one is. Okay. Um, there is a building that you can see that said it's called the Tilted Helm. And it mm. looks very much like the fantasy version of an Old West saloon with kind of the swinging doors, but more barricaded for the harsh cold. And there's just a little bit of music coming from inside, but anyone who's near the front, a couple people like smoking pipes are just eyeing across the street to where there is another tavern uh, that is called the Dorvash Tavern and it's made more of like mud and leather and there are banners hanging off of it in some strange iconographic language very simplistic that look it just has kind of a threatening aura about it I'll just pull out a coin the heads the the orky boys and then the uh, the tails we go with these ones <laughs> uh, so odds Rintari even odds oh, alright <laughs> Let's go into Rentari. Oh no. We probably fit in better here. You as a group do definitely kind of split the difference in where you could go. There are dark elves and dragonborn amongst you. You are no more humanoid than you are 
slightly bestial as a group. And as you approach, uh, there's a couple of goblins sitting out front, a male and a female, you can tell. And it looks like they're playing some sort of game in the snow that's similar to checkers um, with little stones. And they kind of uh, see you coming and they kind of nod and be like, Hey, welcome. Come on in. Get a drink out of the cold. You chose wisely. You chose very wisely. Welcome to Dorvash. I wouldn't say we chose. I kind of left it up to the coin. I wouldn't spread that around. Just let them know you you picked the right town, yeah? Yeah, we're not going to be uh, signing up a lot of allegiances in this random town in the middle of nowhere, duh. How great would it have been if you had flipped the gain or lose health coin accidentally? And just, <laughs> Ooh, you literally damage. ask Chris for a coin. Look, I'm sure you have a lot of reasons why you hate each other, but the fact is that's not our problem. We're here looking for someone. All right, well, go on. Get out in there. Tavern's a good place to get information. Mm, yeah, a lot of people smarter than us in there. But I'm sure you see a lot of people come through here. Uh, have you seen uh, maybe hmm, a 90-year-old man passing by? Uh, not a lot of old humans make it out here. This is a rough territory. They'd probably die within a week. Oh, this 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 man's made of hardy stock. Doesn't ring a bell. Let's go inside. Maybe better luck. And as you open it, there's very soft piano music playing, and it sounds like very poorly made piano. There are several tables with an entire myriad of races. There are in the corner a couple of ogres that are quite large, taking up two benches just for their own massive buttocks. Um, there's a table with a group of gnolls. There's some intermixed orcs and hobgoblins, several goblins as well. And uh, behind the bar, there is a minotaur who is polishing very small glasses with his big fuzzy fingertips. And he eyes you as you enter, but doesn't seem at all grumpy or aggressive. There's kind of an air of like, who are these guys when they walk in? But Does does he have a bar cloth or is he just using his fingertip to, to just, clean the glass? Just his fingy. His okay. little pinky like fits right <laughs> in the steins. <laughs> Extra flavor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excuse me, guys. Chris will go to the piano and cast Mending. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. Just uh, give me a quick arcana check to see how well you finagle the complicated mechanics of this shit-ass piano. No, you do okay. Oh, uh, you. I guess it's 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just rest your hand against it and, like, the cling-clangy of the shitty ivories starts to, like, tighten up and it kind of gets back into a better tune. And this really portly hobgoblin who's playing, it's like... <laughs> This doesn't sound like shit. <laughs> and it picks up a little bit into more like a don 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 He gets mad and just punches the piano. He's like, oh, you ruined that. It's just, it's tra- it just transforms from bluegrass into funk, apparently. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just, the hobgoblin Bootsy Collins steps out. I-, I figured everyone could use a bit more lively music. And I would like the group to make me a perception check, please. Okay. Um... I got a 10 oh, total. Oh, rolled back. <laughs> I rolled a four. Nice. My total was 21. Whoa! I got a seven. Five. All right, well, that makes perfect sense. Um, none of you catch a whiff of this happening until the last second, but Arvid, uh, you're kind of looking over at all these kind of burly individuals of various make and model, and one of the tables has what looks like another ogre sitting at it, and across from them was a figure who you saw there when you first walked in, and then they vanished. And you look to be like, hey, where'd that person go? And you immediately get tackled to the ground by a figure a good foot taller than you and your hands pinned on either side of your head and a knee upon your chest. And you look up into a face with this dark sage-colored skin and a wide nose and hourglass-shaped eyes and a big shaggy head of yellow hair. It says, hey, runt. I just put my crossbow right up against the back of his head. And he looks at you with a big smile and says, brought some friends and picks you up to your feet, (laughs) like picks up Arvid and sets him down. I'm just still pointing the gun right at his head. (laughs) Gun. Uh, You recognize your cousin Goro Ah, from your tribe. Yes. So good to see you. Um, uh... You're a very touchy person. Is this good touching or bad touching? Scoops you into a big, powerful hug and you hear some of Arvid's Ah! spinal column. (laughs) crack a little bit you're going to have to tell me at some point Ar- arvin are you okay i this this is normal and he sets arvin down against oh, i thought you were dead uh me too buddy well, where have you been all these years i i was worried about <clears throat> i got lost so i i i um i've been trying to make my way back this whole time and he pats you on the shoulder great to hear it your mom's gonna be thrilled 
Maybe I can travel back with you to the Ten Tribe. Oh, I don't know about that. We we uh we have a couple of things we have to do on the way back. We? Well, these are my friends. I look at Harithax. Hello. I wonder how Mom's going to react to the horns. <laughs> She'll probably be happy they weren't there when they she had him. That's <laughs> <laughs> uncomfortable. What are you doing, kicking around with these Flatlanders? I I gotta come clean. I joined, I joined the league. The I, league. The the league of ultimate questing. I don't follow that human stuff. The League, we, I thought we... Nah, you youngins and the other humans from the other tribes would go and watch things at the Grand Hut, but not, not me. I was out in the mountains training with the boys. He's just too cool for that, I guess. Goro, I was obsessed, and I I would talk about it all the time to you. You were always talking all the time. (laughs) It's the curse of being the family runt. And you guys are a little surprised that this guy is like a full foot tall and wider than Arvid, who to you has been quite large since your meeting. Well, good to see you here in truce. I got a little a little tired of your mom breathing down my neck all the time. Thought I'd stretch my legs a little bit, see what the mountains had to offer to the south. That was a great idea. Hey, if you see anyone from the tribe, can yeah. you keep me a secret? I want it to be a surprise. Oh, I don't know. My bar tab's gone dry. Maybe you can help me forget the old-fashioned way. <laughs> uh sounds like i haven't got much of a choice let's have yeah let's have a round ultimatums <laughs> <laughs> drinking montage and, uh goro will pour himself a drink at the bar which seems okay with the minotaur now that he sees that someone with them that who looks like they have money um <laughs> And that will be what Arvid is doing, trying to not catch up while catching up. The rest of the tavern is obviously watching that in exchange, but they don't seem very shocked that someone just tackled someone else and someone else pulled a crossbow. Like you saw some people like put their hands on the hilt of their swords, but it's not like, it's like, oh, is it time for that? Oh, no, everything's cool. So Chris pulls Arvid aside just for a second. It's like, how do you feel about him calling you a runt? I kind of wanted to take up arms for you. What? what? It's an active, it's an accurate description. I'm, I'm the runt. That's actually what my name translates into tiny uncle. Oh. <laughs> I'm learning new things all the time. Arvid was named after their uncle, uncle, <laughs> but much smaller. Uh, it's okay. Um, I know how to deal with this Probably. Probably. It does not bode well. Uh, the important thing is just that we don't actually say goodbye when we leave. Ah, Dornish goodbye. I've heard this joke. What? Uh, Dornish goodbye. Uh, Dornish. Da, it's a, this is, what, the one stupid idiom that you people have and it's the only one you don't know? <laughs> they, they, I heard it recently. We did uh, keep in the storm. He talks about Dornish goodbyes. Whether you leave without telling anybody? No? Nobody? Okay. Oh, that's... Whatever. There's just like a couple of hobgoblins like nodding to each other. Like, mm. yeah. <laughs> well, you, you just wanted to get him to drink to unconsciousness, right? Yes, and hopefully I'm still conscious. I, I mean, I imagine... <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I imagine the drow could help with that. So the huge minotaur bartender leans his shoulders over the bar at the new group. It's like, you guys need a drink? If we're trying to get him to drink to unconsciousness, uh, Artyom, do you have any... Additives that might help with that? Oh, da. Uh, maybe. I, unfortunately, all of the um, additives, the bitters that they carry, are unfortunately designed not so much to put to sleep, but rather make your waking life very similar to a dream. But uh, maybe? You want to start a tab? Looks like we'll have to. All right. He's got it. I point to Arvid. Oh, <laughs> desperately trying to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> What'll it be? What is uh, something that maybe is uh, too strong? That you would not advise for a normal-sized person? You want some road go? That sounds intimidating. Yeah, maybe we got this. Yeah, yeah. some heavy barley wine brewed in a elk stomach. All right. All After right. it's dead, of course. I'd imagine this would be uncomfortable to brew inside of living elk. Sure, let me uh, pop a bottle. It takes a second to ferment fully. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he starts to pour, and it's like this molassesy thick which he tops halfway with beer and it sort of mixes into this weird like floaty molasses with like this bitter hoppy beer on top of it i want that that <laughs> bottle opening noise by the way was entirely generated by law's mouth i didn't even notice <laughs> i just i just went into the you, the fully zone you um, did the cork squeak you did the pop you did everything all by yourself um and he slides them out to you drink up to family and a lot of people are the family, the clan, the brotherhood. To the team. I take a drink. It's <laughs> it's it's consumable, mm. but it is strong. It is very much like a molassesy barley wine in intensity and sweetness, but with kind of a bitter 
wash on top from this hoppy ale. <laughs> I want it so bad. I mean, I would drink it. I would drink the shit. <laughs> Octim's going to be very, very careful. <laughs> sure. And uh, this huge Minotaur says, what, what brings you to truce? You'd, uh, pretty much everyone here stands out, but you even more so. What is the name of the man we were looking for? Midi, 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 something? Well, his last name was Melbar. Torres. It's Torres Melbar. I hmm. pull out the quest sheet right there. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that. Thank you. We are looking for Torres Melbar. The old man may build himself some kind of a hovel, something inside of the, the mountains. Hovel. He's like 90. He's a pretty hardy, beefy man. Bad arm. Mm. Uh. Maybe better explanation. Somebody might come into town periodically, buying large amounts of resources all at once. Yeah, yeah. We got some, some orders like that that go out from, uh, from Milvorn Market. Hmm. A couple of bugbear brothers up the street. They'd be in charge of any mercantile grocery-wise. They probably keep a ledger of some kind. Duh, this makes sense. Thank you. I get to say, economics is turning out to be a far more interesting subject than I initially anticipated. Is it unusual for a human to do shopping on this side of truce? Uh, it happens once in a while. Most of the grocers uh, come from our side because we control the farmlands and the landscape. But, uh, I mean, humans got lots of businesses here, just not as much food and meat. That's kind of our forte. They do it with a sour face, but they buy from us. They're dependent on us. <laughs> I'm curious. What exactly could have possibly led your people to want to settle next to these people? It was a matter of convenience. They uh, they brought a lot of money with them. Mm. Helped our people out when we were going through a rough patch. And trading with the main capital gave us a little more outsource for our goods instead of just letting them rot in a cellar somewhere. It ain't a happy agreement, but it's an agreement. I don't think they like being so close to us, but uh, fuck them. <laughs> no, does it mean that, that they're the ones with the problem, that you don't care? We were here first, so that makes a difference. Yeah, so they're, they're interlopers, they don't like you because you're uh, maybe what you are. And the problem is they got paperwork that shows that they bought land, and we just have it because we was here for a long time. Yeah. And they keep trying to get more and more of it, and we're not letting them, but they're still finding a way once in a while. This makes sense. It was well that your people are not trying to kill each other. Well, it's only Monday. <laughs> oh. Do the killings happen on Wednesday? Yeah, it just depends on when something goes down in the detente causeway. Well, you said which Hobgoblin Brothers? Yeah, the Milvorns. Mm. That's the marketplace. They're the grocers here. Are we likely to encounter much trouble walking around on this side of town? Nah, just don't bounce back and forth a bunch. You might cause some kind of commotion or confusion. I'm fine with that. You're fine with commotion? Well, I mean, I am fine with commotion, but I'm also fine with just staying on this side. I have no problem with commotion. Look, if the situation calls for us going across the road, we're going to do it. Is there any way we can do this without causing any issues? Just don't make a show of it. Okay. Tensions run high around here. If you uh, leave the grocers with something in your arms or something showing that you're a patron of the business, no things are even Stephen. Well, Arthax, don't we need to pick up a few things for you? Like what? Something larger than a fish. Oh, well, I suppose we could do that. It wouldn't be a bad idea. But I'll need something uh, rather more substantial than our usual fare. Do the Milvorns have live game? Oh, they got a little bit, I'm sure. Good. That'll be five gold for the drinks. I heard this is on your tab. Yeah, just just leave it open. Uh, I'll, I'll handle the rest of these empties. And he says, like, sliding whatever's not uh, taken from your cups away. Chris just passes Pouring him a, a full <laughs> glass. Just, mm. <laughs> 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 he's just one after the other, upending them. Yeah, uh, I'll pay the tab and add a little extra on for um. Yeah, that's... Thanks, front. Mm. Gives you a big like noogie on the noggin and <laughs> pat on the back, just like jostling your whole body. Yep. And then like pokes you on the the head and been like, "Those are those are pretty weird, but I like it." Like kind of grabbing you by the horns and shaking your head back and forth. And, and damn, finally, those are on there. <laughs> and finally, a bit of a smile. Yeah, they're pretty great, right? <laughs> do you like want to see? Do you want? We could go outside, and I could we could find a tree, and I could show you what I can do with them. I look at Arvin. Hmm. I, mm -hmm. I give them a headbutt. We all we all just start nodding. Yep. Mm -hmm. Give them a wave. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And your cousin's just looking down at you excitedly. Her, her like, ah. like taps their horn and then points at yours and just makes another headbutting motion. There's no innuendo here. They're just laying it <laughs> on a real like, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. I don't know what they're talking about, but I like it. Why? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Why are they all headbanging to piano music? This is what <laughs> Do you want to just give like him a, a real quick just blasting over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, go ahead and just roll me an attack check versus your cousin with your with your headbutt. Let it crit, please crit. No, 
the three plus plus the stuff that I have. Are you recklessly attacking? You can <laughs> recklessly attack out. Of I mean, you are kind of buzzed. Yeah. Ooh, slightly better. Yeah, that's that's more than twelve. No. Hey, all right. So after having five drinks back to back, and a quick right as your head connects with his, uh, his full foot of height just kind of slowly tilts and then falls to the bar floor and starts and starts to like roll over he's like oh, make sure he stays on his back so he don't puke himself to death uh, <laughs> did you just hit him so hard he fell asleep yes that's exactly what happened <laughs> and it would never have happened without these lovely horns uh, round of drinks to anyone who uh, will confirm that he just dreamed seeing me uh, <laughs> huzzah <laughs> a rousing huzzah that comes up from all of the hobgoblins and arcs of the bar well that's all my money <laughs> so give me give me 10 gold total yeah, yeah Arvid who brought 28 gold pieces yeah. on this adventure well now the numbers are easier to count I guess yeah <laughs> All right, so you guys want to head to the uh, the Melvorn Market? Mm-hmm. It's yes. not far, as it's one of the only, like, ten buildings on this side of town that doesn't go off into the, uh, the mountains and the other encampments back there. Um, and you go to a open front market, uh, not very big, made mostly of wood, supported by what looks like several incarnations of repairs. Um, and there are several barrels of, like, apples packed in sawdust and dried fruits and things that would last through the harsh winter. Lots of tubers. Um, there's a couple of, like, big shaggy goats outside um, and some aurochs off the side, just massive horned oxen. And there's these two bugbears that are unloading a wagon that looks like it's full of bags of, like, beans and rice that looks like it probably just came from the trade road. And they're identical, like, except for, like, a slight differential in the size of their tusks. They look very closely related. Uh, is there any, are they tattered or does anything look broken around? Uh, everything's, like, in a little bit of disrepair, but they're, you know... They're just going about their job. Everything's like been hammered over like four times to fix it up again. Uh, as we get closer, Chris is just going to find something. And like when they notice, like just cast mending just hmm. to try and dear endear himself as a human to these people. Okay. Well, uh, they noticed that like there was a barrel that was leaking out some, some liquid that they had shipped in. It was just like this thick pony, like a binding tar for painting and building things. And it had like a crack in the side of it and you touch it and it seals up. I'd be a little careful doing that. They might think that your their side of town isn't good enough for your human sensibilities without you oh. cleaning it up. Oh, no. It could come across the wrong way. And the one that's uh, in the wagon unloading bags to the other one who was catching them kind of jumps out and they pat their hands off. It's like, hey, welcome. Uh, welcome to Melvorn's. You need uh, you need some goods? We got a full shipment of grains in. Yeah, uh, market's a-booming today. It's a, a trade Monday. What do you come for? Oh, uh, many things. Um, Harthax, didn't you need a couple things? I need a sacrificial creature. <laughs> they look at each other like a little bit like, uh, I mean, you can you can buy a creature and uh, we won't ask what it's for. Yeah, that sounds good. Hmm. We got goats and dinarucks and some chickens out back. They're fat fuckers. Well, he's picking those up. Uh, maybe you can help us. Uh, we're looking for some information. Sure, sure. I mean, we usually trade with uh, food, but, you know, everything's got value, right? Yeah. I'll have yeah. a lot of food in just a minute. <laughs> I go start looking at Oryx's. We're looking for a man, a human. He's a fairly old man, probably, what, 90, they 90, said? yes. Mm. He, he's probably come by buying large portions of things, maybe too much for one man. Uh, name... Uh, his last name was Melbar? Melbar. Torres, yeah. I think, maybe? Yeah. Uh, we got a shipment that we send out into the Winter Thrones every 20 days, like clockwork. Same exact stuff. A few bottles of whiskey, some cigarettes from Whitefall, dried goods, canned meats, lots of canned meats and things like that. Uh, we don't do the, the shipping, but we definitely get the groceries ready. Oh, uh, on the note of whiskey, I would love to have a bottle of whatever he got. Yeah, we could do that. Well, we'll start you a little shopping list here. One of them goes in and gets a piece of parchment and starts writing things down. Says, look, uh, we don't get a lot of outsiders coming through these days. It's mostly exports. Uh, business hasn't been real good. And me and my brother here, we don't got really good heads for business. I'm going to be straightforward with you. We're not doing so good at our bookkeeping. And I feel like we just need... We'd be happy to help you with uh, giving you the information because we know where the groceries get sent to and who ships them there. But maybe you could help us in return with maybe you. You're all mainlanders, right? You're from. Well, how do the 
we need some market ideas. We need to advertise. We need to figure out a new business model, you know? Mm. We're just struggling lately. Have you got any ideas you could share with us? We ain't got wind to smarten us out in these parts in a long time. Well, huh. Hmm. I have a million and one ideas. Um, I, I, I hope you don't mind. And Chris just starts, like, cast mending on all these little things. What do you have here that is not made elsewhere? Well, we got a couple of breeds of animals you can't find outside of the winter throne mountains. Like I said, our big fat chickens, they're fucking the size of turkeys these days. Real sweet, dark meat. Focus on those, breed lots of them. Then send caravans out into normal part of land. The cost will be high at first, but over time it'll probably get cheaper. You see him like drawing a picture of like a wagon with chickens in it and then like two chickens like having sex. <laughs> 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 Which equals more chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, people are, uh, especially humans, are suckers for, for new and novel things. Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> they like things that are brand new and fancy for them. Mm-hmm. You bring them something they've never seen before, gigantic chicken. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, what I learned from being in the city is that if you have a name where some of the words start with the same letter or, mm. like, it's just stupid words that you put together... Like a joke, but not funny. Well, we're called Milvorn's Market right now, because my name's Milt, and that's Elvorn. Uh, Never really caught on. I don't think anyone gets it. It's not a good name. You could have one, and it says uh, Milvorn's Meat, and then you have a picture of a very strong-looking uh, representation. Strong. <laughs> and, uh, Muscles. And, you know, uh, maybe allude to, you know, you know. Meat. Meat. <laughs> so focus on the meat, breed our chickens, export them as a luxury chicken, mm-hmm. and fix up the shop a little bit. Clean up the rafters and get the windows repaired. And so Chris comes back. <sighs> well, uh, what do you think? Like he's just cast mending everywhere, trying to fix yeah, up everything you could of... see. Yeah, I mean, it's all organized. The shelves have twice as much space as they did before. You lot are all right, you know? Yeah, I like them. They're good. <laughs> well, let me tell you, we send our goods to Stokes Spokes. He points across the street. I think I get what you say about them stupid names. <laughs> uh, human wagon merchant who does all the caravan work in and out of the city. He'll know where they get sent to. He'll be able to help you out, I'm sure. Seems like an okay guy for a human. So right as right as Christ finishes doing all of his like cleaning and mending and stuff, and they're like, well, it looks a lot nice. A spray of blood just hits a window from outside. <laughs> Yeah, a giant goat is enough of a CR. If they have a giant goat, that would work. I'll or... say they, they, the cows are probably their closest okay. thing. They're they're shaggy goats, but they're not like Arvid sized giant goats. Okay. And yeah, the sound of a huge pack animal just getting gutted, and they look to the side and be like, "Oh, uh, we'll add that to your list." I just clean that. Oh, don't worry. We watched you do it. We'll know how to wipe it up good next time. Hell, there was still some blood there from before. And they'll just uh, charge you guys a total of 10 gold for the whiskey and the cow. We definitely got some of that canned fish, too. Sure, Chris, okay. Chris just pays the tab and gives him, like, an extra five. So let's call it uh, 30 total if you get whiskey. The full cow, I realize, is a little worth more, a little more okay. than 10. And then some extra canned goods. Lots of, like, salted fish and things like that. And then you guys are escorted across the street by the bugbears, which helps in the presentation. I was going to say, when I finish my, my uh, augury or my Haruspex ritual by eating the liver and everything. I've got the rest of the cow still, and I'm going to walk in, and I'll be like, like covered in blood. You said you're dealing meat. I have a whole cow outside I could sell you. Well, minus the liver. It doesn't have a liver anymore, but the rest of it, very fresh. Well, we're going to buy the cow we just sold you because you killed it and ate the liver? Well, you said you're dealing meat, right? Well, we'll give you a deal on the cow. How much? We'll knock it from 30 down to 20 gold, I suppose. Deal get to sell most of that meat and we get some money out. Yeah, we'll make some cash. We'll make some coin. <laughs> It'll be all right. And uh, they escort you across to this uh, very polished and refined white business. It looks like it's been perfectly painted and it says uh, Stokes Spokes on the outside with two wagon wheels on each side of it. Okay. I bank a four for my respects ritual. Right. Yeah. And uh, they, they let you in and there's a fellow there with a very large leather cowboy hat on and a very big bronze belt buckle that has a wagon on it <laughs> and he has a, a handlebar mustache and a buttoned up shirt with like a fur collar wrapped around it for the winter cold oh my well howdy welcome to stoke spokes what can i do for y'all you taking a caravan out south you going back to whitefall you need some transport maybe a messenger and got some mail service these days mail service that's right We're sending letters all over the place have you um Maybe heard of Torres Melbar? Yeah, yeah. We get we used to get letters from him all the time, about every every month or so. When did it stop, or do you know been, where he been is? Been a while, I don't know. A uh, couple seasons, maybe. 
couple seasons. Give or take. Hmm. Didn't know where we might find his home. Well, I, I, I got a pretty good idea where the wagons go. Uh, I, I get it out to the outskirts of the city, and then they meet with a group that I use to uh, navigate into the Winterthrone Mountains. This is a relay race. A group of guides, uh, mountain experts. Uh, barkeep, uh, the goblins to the barkeep, to the to the hobgoblins, to the men, to the person, to the everybody. Tell me, tell me where this man lives. I, I would if I knew, but I don't do that part of the business, but I can tell you what their names are and where to meet them. Yes, that would be very, very helpful. You're all dressed in uh, some fine colors there. You ain't happen to be one of them League of Ultimate Question teams, do you? We are. In fact, pose. <laughs> he says, wait, no, posing is good, but then he kind of pushes you guys out the door in a friendly way and kind of arranges you in front of the building, right oh, in front no. of the sign that says Stoke Spokes. And he kind of puts his arms around the two of you in the middle and says, let's just uh, say out loud, nothing beats Stoke. I put my hand on his mouth. You want to try and steal advertisement. You ask first politely. Is that how it works? Preferably, yes. Well, I didn't know the doings. I figured I was going to give you guys a favor. You do me a favor. Starting to see why the people on this side of the town do not like people on that side of the town. Look, you're giving us uh, maybe uh, uncertain information. How about this? We go, and if your information is valid and we are not immediately murdered by this extra group that you're sending us to, then we come back, then we give you some uh, advertisement, yes? Well, I suppose. I mean, I ain't ain't opposed to it in any way. It's just that feller was pretty clear that he kind of didn't want to be found, as it were. I feel like I'd be letting him down. Then again, he's been out of communication for a bit. And his daughter needs him desperately. It is a sad story. And he can't pay you for delivering mail if he's not delivering mail anymore. And if I can put this in even simpler terms, regardless of what he wanted, we have a league team that has gone missing. Oh, that's some serious business. Mm. Well, tell you what, if you come back through these parts and give me a little shout out when you're all wrapped up and put in a nice little package, then uh, we'll give you a leap of fate here. Tell you, uh, So you go on to the outskirts of town, you head towards the basin of that mountain... It's called the Everpeak, and uh, near the base, there's an encampment near the forest of a group of gnolls called the Eternal Fangs. And their leader's name is Raoul. Uh, he's a harsh fellow, but he's pretty nice. And uh, he will, for ten gold, take you wherever you want to go in the White Throne Mountains. What's that name? <laughs> so happy about that. <laughs> Raoul the Knoll. It makes sense, because it sounds like a, like a howl. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's perfect. It's yeah, it's, it's R-O-W-L. Raoul. <laughs> And he'll get you squared up right as rain. He knows where uh, the the mail goes. He's the one that escorts the wagon. Do you think it's worth asking about the other teams? See if they were here and ask questions. Maybe they went to the other side of town first, and that's why they disappeared. Well, I did rent out a wagon when I was on vacation, uh, maybe 15, 20 days ago or so. Uh, I heard about a group that came through and paid top dollar for one of my best wagons to go out into the uh, into the mountains. Seems like a weird direction to go for people dressed so nice. That's what my, my worker told me. Maybe that's related to what you're concerned about. That is probably exactly what we're looking for. How much would returning that wagon be worth to you? You said it was one of your best. They didn't take it all the way. They let the, the gnolls escort him into the mountains, and then they brought it back like they always do. Oh, okay. So mm. we'll just talk to Raul. Duh, or maybe Raul will talk to us. I don't understand. There is a very big difference between us asking him some polite questions and him maybe putting an arrow in us. You have been given a very clear set of instructions on where to go to find guides into the Winter Throne Mountains. What would you like to do, Mortal Dawn? Let's go immediately. Let's get the fuck ahead yeah, of here. probably has good reason to skip town quickly before her cousin wakes up. Also, mechanically, my Herusbecks thing expires at the end of my next long rest, so I have to use it today. <laughs> yeah, otherwise that four-year-old will uh, get wasted. <laughs> it's useful you know, to give it to an enemy. It is yeah. useful to give to an enemy. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize you can give it to an enemy. Yeah, yeah like so you have to cool. make a saving throw. You have to take a four. That's really fucking cool. Yeah. I'm a fan. Uh, so yeah, you guys have a pretty clear path. You can see the Ever Peak from this side of town. Um, it looks like it's maybe a couple hours walk through some thick snow and a bit of a climb, but otherwise pretty straightforward. Arvid, I have a suggestion. If you may be turned into God form. You can lead the pack. You drive through the snow, and that gives us a way to follow behind. I haven't been a goat in a minute. Sounds good. <laughs> gonna goat out? Goat up. <laughs> that was a joy to watch. Oh there was a lot of physical interaction with that transformation. And with that, Arvid slumps down onto all fours and explodes into fur and horns as the massive mountain goat reappears and begins comfortably trotting through the thick snow. I put my hand on, on his side. May I mount you for a better angle? Uh, a pleasurable shake. Cool. <laughs> a pleasurable shake? It's like a wiggle, you know? Gotcha.
For centuries, the Rintari tribes of the Dornish Mountains have lived and hunted along the highest peaks and deep in the harshest ravines of the White Throne and Himmelhorn Mountains. It wasn't until the year 2360 that the village of Truce was born in the aftermath of a blood-soaked battle. For weeks on end, the forces of Whitefall hunters in service of King Valkar, the Iron Horns, went toe-to-toe -to -toe with groups of gnolls, bugbears, ogres, and orcs in the pursuit of opening new trade routes. Well, after both armies were dwindled down to their final forces, a white flag was erected, and the leaders of each respecting army declared it neutral ground. And just a few short years later, this dichotomous trade post was born. Thanks for the history lesson, Kip. Where'd you get all that? You reading from something? I just know things, Storm. It's part of my job. Well, it's freaky sometimes. I mean, I'd forget how many toes I had if I couldn't take off my boots. Now, now, Storm. You're a font of interesting information. You always impress me with your worldliness and understanding of both questing and culture. Well, that's why we make such a great team. Yeah, I guess you're right. I am pretty goddamn cultured. And it's eight, by the way. Uh, what is? How many toes I have. Lucky number eight. See? Always full of surprises. Hungry after a long quest? No time to cook? Pop into Mutton King, hasty food for heroes on the go. For just two gold and 99 copper, you can try our new Mutton Rye Monster Burger. Two slabs of gray, gristly hot mutton smothered with beet puree and blue cheese between two slabs of hardtack with salted pickled potato ribbons and a queen-sized wine. Or our new 12-piece mutton nuggets. Chewy bread and tomed mutton chunks boiled in oil and served scalding hot with your choice of dipping sauce, almond vinegar, creamy red wine sauce, or salted honey. Tired of mutton? As if. But if you are, try the new salted cod burger on a bed of garden weeds in hearth-cooked unleavened bread. Don't be sheepish. Try our new ride-through window for even faster service. Mutton fills you up like Mutton King. <laughs> Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, all you cuties. Zach here with some housekeeping for you. We've got a huge month coming up here. At Rose City Comic Con here in Portland, the Orcs, Orcs, Orcs booth will be hosting us, Slapdash Studios in general, and League of Ultimate Questing in particular, on Saturday the 14th from 11 to 12. So I want to see all you LU cuties there to grab some swag. Law will also be hosting Rose City Comic Con's first ever live D&D game. They'll be in room 3 at 3.30 that same Saturday. Now it's time to give some beautiful thanks. First, I want to thank our legendary team, Dave Lodinoff and Jeff Ammons, for their continued support on Patreon, as well as all of our other patrons. You guys are amazing. And because of your support, we are upgrading our microphones before the next recording session, which is really exciting. So get ready to hear less room noise and less audio bleed and all that other nonsense. On the note of our next recording session, all four episodes of Chapter 8 will feature Anthony Caffiero, owner of Orcs, 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 as a special guest player. He's such an amazing guy with great energy, and he's just really fun to be around, so I'm really looking forward to it. I also really want to ask you guys a favor. So, I know that a lot of you have been showing your support and reaching out to us on Twitter and all that, and we cannot express our appreciation enough. But what I'd like to see from you guys is a big push towards getting us out there. Reach out to your friends, find some people who you think would love us. I mean, really anything. Post it on Twitter, your Facebook, what have you. If you want a really good product that you can send them, go ahead and send them the video for our commercial compilation. I think it's a great way to get people started and showcases a lot of people's favorite part about the show. You can also send them our League of Ultimate Questions episode if they don't want to start from the beginning and they're okay with a little bit of spoilers. And finally, I want to thank Denmark, the beautiful Theniscandian constitutional monarchy that shows disproportionate love to the LUQ. Thank you, Denmark. Skoll. You know that feeling you get when you look at your lover. The sensation you feel when you want to tell them you'll be together forever. It's the strongest feeling in the world, so you need the right symbol to represent it. This year, don't just give them a diamond ring. Get them a ring that describes how they make you feel. Enchanted. At Zirina, we specialize in magically attuned rings bound with powerful arcane runes. For birthdays, fire protection, because they're hot enough already. Anniversary, water breathing, because they take your breath away. Engagement, protection, because it's a good general enchantment with lots of utility. 
They're the one. Give them the one ring. Not that one ring. One of ours. Zirina. A circle enclosed binds all things. You guys trudge through the snow. The swath that is cut by the massive goat hooves makes it much easier to traverse the path behind them. And as they approach, you can see the forest opens up into a clearing where there are several permanent yet makeshift huts. Animal furs. One of them actually looks like some sort of mammoth ribs that are just kind of pulled over into a lean-to. And a group of gnolls emerges from behind the trees and inside some of the huts as you get nearer and leave their little village to meet you partway. The one in front stands much taller than the others and has a huge kind of a lush gray mane going down the center of his head in like a mohawk and his fur is a pale white with like dark leopardy spots on it and one of his eyes is covered with a big leather eye patch and the other ones on the side flanking him have just thick heavy long bows and like spears on their backs and he steps forward to look first to the goat and then up to the rider and says welcome to the everclaws the eternal fang clan what brings you from Truce. We seek uh, Torres Melvar. Torres Melvar. You wish to go to the underground stronghold. As soon as he says underground, I kind of like hesitate. Just means underground. He just means underground. Yes. Uh, my fee for my clan is ten gold. I care not how many passengers there are. Four is plenty. We are being bled dry. Hmm. I am just really surprised he's counting me as one of the four. <laughs> Maybe kind of sees an intelligence in your goat uh, eyes. Maybe he's uh, counting you and Morty both as half. Uh, mm, there you go. <laughs> a goat plus dog equals party member. Yeah. <laughs> That's null math. Um, <laughs> Ten gold is a very fair rate for my services. One misstep in the mountains and you could end up at the will of the ice giants. Can you tell me about anybody else who's gone through here in the last mm, couple seasons? Aye, there was another group dressed up fancy like y'all. They came through and I offered them my services. I brought them to the same place, very popular, but I did not see them return. Not unlikely for the outlanders to die in the mountains. It's a common thing when they travel on their own. And what exactly should we be afraid of? If you go too high, there could be ice giants. If you try to go underground to find cover from the storm, you could encounter some very dark and subterranean beasts that reside. Galeb Old elementals that sleep between the realms. Way to make it sound appealing. It's my home and I love it. (laughs) Well, we'd have very little choice. I can pay the ten gold. When do you wish to depart? Now. Very good. I like this kind of business. Profit now. Work now. Rest soon. And he takes the ten gold from you, hands it to one of his uh, underlings, and him and two of the other ones will begin marching off towards the Frosty Peaks. Is Morty rideable? Morty's not quite rideable. It would Not just that he's a barrel, basically, <laughs> but he's also not trained, and he's, his size is like right in between small pony. Fair enough. Just curious. Sure. Um, he would be great for like pulling a sled or something. Maybe when he's full grown, because mm. he's still a puppy. He did a puppy. So Raoul and the Eternal Fang clan that travel with you lead you through a series of winding switchbacks up into the mountains and then descending down into a small canyon where small cusps of evergreen trees attempt desperately to grow through the frozen earth. You travel for maybe five to six hours. It's hard to keep track because the sun here is always hidden behind stormy clouds. And after a while, you get to a cliff face that goes on for a great distance. Uh, You couldn't possibly see the end of it from here. And they lead you along the base of it every now and then checking an opening like a crag that goes into it, spying in, sniffing the air, stopping and then continuing a little bit further, seeming to make sure that nothing is hiding within there. Do any of these crags open up into the uh, Underdark? The Underdark? Maybe if you go very deep. The Winter Throne Mountains definitely rest atop many deep, deep subterranean caves. I trust there are not frequent raids up here. No, they do not thrive in this climate, though we have seen them time to time in the deeps. It is rare. If you think about it, to get from the Underdark to the top of the mountain is a lot of extra work. I imagine many eons ago there were more openings, now covered with glaciers that have slid into place, frozen over with the winds of time. Well said. You should think about writing. This isn't my only job. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm a ghost writer. (laughs) I have a side gig writing erotic fan fiction. (laughs) Would you like to read some? (laughs) No! 
<laughs> it's a long trip. <laughs> They're all furries. <laughs> mm. This way. <laughs> and after a dozen or so of these stops at these wide open crags that go into the face of the cliffside, uh, a lo- much larger one comes into view. They get up to it and they gesture inside and say, Within there, there is a small hovel, some sort of metal building. We simply drop cargo outside of it, pick up any packages left behind, any mail and money that is left for our payments, and that is all we have for you. You are here safely. The caverns go deep, but the structure is not far. When's the last time that you picked up one of these packages? Hmm. Not since before the other outsiders came. The ones that dressed in rich browns and bright greens. Hmm. Did we get the name of the team? Uh, It was called the Broken Ballad. And there before you is the wide opening that leads down at a very steep angle into an underground cavity. Within, you have been told, is the fallout shelter constructed by Taurus Melbar some ten years ago. Your goatness is mountainy, right? Uh, yeah. It's not. I'm not a goat. I'm not a goat. I'm a ram. <laughs> <laughs> it like... is. It is the apex of mountainy. Okay, good. I, I heard that as your goatness, like it was a, like it was an honorific. <laughs> your goatness. Your goatness. <laughs> His grand goatness, Ovid the tiny uncle. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chris attempts to attune to this new environment. Am I getting any feelings? You can tell that these caverns run very deep, deep into the hearts of the mountain. Do I feel uh, any connection? Like, do I feel like maybe there's a ley line nearby? No ley lines, but you do sense some magic inside, just like a hint. You can you can feel some sort of energy pulsing from down in the cave. Hmm. Well, uh, I do sense something. It's a very long cave thing. Uh, I sense some kind of magic in there. I don't I don't know if it's good or bad, but we should be on our guard. Can you resonate with the ice? I'm trying. This is not that familiar, but it might take a little bit of time. I, I flick some ice to make it tink noise. Here, maybe this will help. Tink, it's tink, so much thick tink. rock here that it's just like pinking against cold stone. It's weird. It's a different density. It doesn't res- resonate magic as well as crystal is. But you think if you studied it, you could tune with ice a little bit. Um, and as you enter into this steep cavern, it is very steep at first. Arvid's hooves work perfectly on these narrow rocks. The ceiling is very tall, even from out on this part of the crag. 30 feet, 40 feet at the highest. There are stalagmites and stalactites that are holding it up, as well as just descending almost all the way to the ground. And it opens up pretty dramatically after about 70, 80 feet of slow climbing down this narrow path. And there, in a very weirdly well-lit clearing of stone, there looks like there is a very tall metal pole with a bright light that shines down onto a metal structure. It's got a bank vault style door on the front of it and it's built into the earth itself it's very small maybe like 20 by 20 feet ish there's rock stacked up around it and it looks to be completely made out of this thick polished metal and in front of it there are some open crates that look like they have been spilled and smashed there are very rotted apples and some crumpled up parchment and random trade goods that have been left out i will hop off of arvid take a fresh apple out of my bag mm-hmm. and give it to the ram Aww. <laughs> Why would a human really be this far out? Maybe he's not really human. Or he is human and he's just uh, stubborn. I would I would definitely say I got stubborn from the Melvar family. <laughs> Should we knock? I feel like that would be polite. The? Yeah, you want to investigate the door? Sure. Okay. I'll um, knock on the door. It just... It's like such a thick metal that it barely echoes at all. Is there a doorbell or a ringer or... Doesn't appear to be. Not a, not a usual installment on Fallout Shelters. I'll, I'll, I'll like look at the door and I'll be like, Arvid, I can't knock hard enough. Maybe you can make a... Uh, I kind of do a headbutting gesture. A louder noise. And without even a second between your maybe you can do, <laughs> it's definitely full on ram time. You got a hammer, every problem's a nail. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Arvid definitely does make a charge and then several sequential headbutts, which do make a little bit more noise, but you can tell from the strength of your neck and the skull that this is a very well-structured door. And after Arvid stops to kind of think about the density of this thing, you hear a continued... (laughs) The same pacing as the door impacts, but from far off behind in the caverns. Oh, no. Oh, dear. I cast Mage Armor. And... (laughs) 
Climbing back up. This okay? It starts to get a little bit louder. Shard hide. Uh, with your investigation of the door before Arvid started, you know, headbanging it, you can tell that it doesn't look like it's locked, but it is closed all the way. And you think with a pretty simple turn of this wheel, you could open it if you wished to. Gentlemen, maybe you should do that while Arvid and I keep it distracted, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's yep. go. I turn the door handle. And it does pull open easily. You can tell there's a little bit of resistance. And if you let go for a second, it kind of clicks closed with a magnet. But it is totally openable if you wanted. While you realize that over the top of this eight foot tall metal structure, you see a huge hand wrap around one of the stalagmites and pull itself to the side. And there is this huge 18, 20 foot tall purple pustulous giant with one massive yellow eye hanging out of its skull that seems to look around in all directions like a chameleon's eye and just making contact with it unnerves you to your very core and this huge stone club comes up from the other side and it's like sniffing the air looking at every facet of the cave with its disjointed eye and you are familiar with these these are formorians they are an incredibly deadly subterranean giant this is not so good. I'm going to take a shot at its eye. Mm -hmm. All right, go ahead and roll me an attack check. Has it seen us already? It's going to now, I imagine. Okay. Uh, not good. Uh, uh, nine. Yeah, it ricochets off of a stone near it and catches its attention, and now it's like looking around, but you know it's about to become aware of your presence. How's the door coming? It's open now. You can pull it open. I, I just kind of do a little, like, both hands gesture, like, <laughs> shall we? Come on in. in. <laughs> Clip, clop, clip, clop. Yeah. And uh, the group of you immediately slide into the door. And what you see before you is a 10 by 15 room. It's very simple. There is a carpet over a wooden floor. There is a table in the center, almost like a desk. It's covered with like a book and like a bottle and some empty tin cans, um, some writing paper. The chair has been tipped over. There are two bookshelves against the wall, one of them covered in books, one of them with some random bric-a-brac and goods of some kind, bottles and unctions. There's a bed in the corner. And then one spot of the floor near the bed has been completely overgrown, like through the floor with mold and mildew. And you get just a very brief view of the interior of this building when the door clicks magnetically behind you. You can tell even from this side, it could still be opened. It's not locked yet, but it does click from the magnet. And there's this pounding on the top of the building from this massive club. And one of the bookshelves start to rock. And at that, Everything around you inside of the tiny structure begins to grow incredibly fast around you. And you feel yourself falling a great distance as you are shrunken down to an inch tall. I think I'd lose my mind playing the good neighbor in a town like Truce. Everyone always looks like they're smiling, but they're really just baring their teeth, waiting to take a bite out of your ass. That kind of eggshell tension drives me clucker shit crazy. It's hard to believe that trade post still stands after all these years. They say it's been rebuilt time and time again, because the facade of peace could only be held up for so long. Yeah, I heard the last time that town went savage and punched its own teeth out was because some goblin forgot to pay his bar tab. Talk about getting stiffed. <laughs> Speaking of crazed conflict, join us next week as we find out how the mortal dawn faced down a full-sized Formorian deep in the coldest caverns of the Winter Throne Canyons. Will they best this behemoth, or will they shrink away in fear? Find out soon on the League of Ultimate Questing! Welcome back to Bard Song. Today we have a very special, if unorthodox, guest, Raphael Brignus. But you may know him better as Stormclad Thundertongue, here to read an excerpt from his biography titled simply Storm. Yeah, um, this one goes out to uh, unsung heroes. Thrace Bloodburden, name like a pulp cliche. I'm one to talk, but at least I don't take a knee for a vile god like Desiath. See, the thing about Desiites, they love a good disease. So when this sick fuck rolls in to Fort Hayden with ten pounds of plague in a five-pound bag and starts putting kids and geezers in the ground, Lilywhite decides we're taking the job. To you, that's Ilthar Whitemane, the high and mighty white-robed wizard of Liette. Problem is, he wants to bring the kid. See, Arthur Cherry, this yippy little tyke, has a voice like an angel when he's not gushing about your exploits or chirping about how honored he is to work with you. Flattering at first, but let me tell you, you can only hear your own stories told back at you about ten times before the tongue that's waggling him out starts to look good mounted on the wall of the den. But the kid's got ambitions. He's always talking about the Solar's Odium, some big fancy Alcaran opera house, how he's going to be on that stage one day. Anyway, Cherry's a bard, and we want to make sure we're well covered for buffs if we're squaring up with the blackguard. It takes us weeks to track the scum. 
And I have no doubt it's because the damn kid can't go eight minutes without belting out the magic all of the marigold mistress or the Rathskeller Rhapsody. Anyway, we got Thrace Bloodburden and cornered, or so we thought. He's in some ruined cathedral to Sigmus, and we're pretty sure he's a dead man. So I'm the vanguard, and my only backup is, you guessed it, little chirpin' cherry. Now let me tell you, you've never felt inspiration like an improvised blow-by-blow slam poem about the battle you are currently fighting. Get at talent. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. Anyway, Lily White's charging his laser, and Nadrin Mithra's got some holy arrow knocked. The brothers Blanche are flanking the son of a bitch with the daggers. And I'm drawing fire. But something ain't right. He ain't talking. Now, I've been at this game for eons, and I've never met a mope like Thrace Bloodburden who didn't love to hear himself talk. But his nibs is just sitting there muttering to himself. The penitents are about to throw down when my bowels run cold like a winter-thrown river. I look at Lily, and he's up on the statue of Sigmus. Sigmus, right? Except Sigmus don't have fangs, and he sure as hells don't keep snakes in his mouth. I'm walking down a vile blood paladin in a profane church devoted to one of the sickest gods there is. I squawk something to the others, but it comes out broke. Cherry's back there spitting verse when he catches it. He's still throwing it down when he runs up and shoves me out of the way. Little shit takes the hit. It comes in a ray of putrid filth. Still can't put it to words. The others jump in with all their thunder, and I put an axe in his head, then his chest, then his arms. By the time I stop seeing red, I'm seeing blood. Not much left of Bodie Allchurch. That's the fucker's real name, right? Like anyone names their kid Thrace Bloodburden with a straight face? He's some preacher's son. Now he's a pile of gore. But that all don't mean shit, because Cherry's over there trying to scream through a river of blood. Some kind of death curse. Turns out Bodie knew we were coming and he prepped something special. My eyes go red again, and they tells me later I cut the head off the statue and would have torn the place down if Lily White hadn't put my ass to sleep. Anyway, next thing I remember, I'm standing in the office of some brass. He's calling himself the director for talent retention, and this man of God is telling me that what Cherry's got, there ain't a cure for. All he wanted was to stand by his heroes. What he got was a living nightmare. You see, Desieth, that's a god of disease. And little Cherry popped his by coughing up his larynx and every other bit of piping that made noise. He quit. Nexus gave him a special commendation and Paragon's pension like that's gonna fix it. They found him hanging from the rafters of the Solar's Odium about a year later. Couldn't find a next of kin, so I put him in the family plot. He didn't tell us he was an orphan. He didn't tell us any stories about the one person who mattered. Hot damn, Jesus! <laughs> if this was one of those TV shows where, like, there's always a, a, a song at the end, you know, like, you know, TV shows, you know how they are. We probably would have ended that one with the one-eyed, one-horned flying purple. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I shrunk the adventure. I was waiting party. for that, and it was didn't go where I thought it would. <laughs> it's like, where's, where's Sam going with this? <laughs> Bam! We got there. <laughs> cool. Uh, do we want to go ahead and do our little outro? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Michael's turn. Yep. Uh, let's do a round the table, starting with Alante. Hi, I'm Alante. I play Christ, the Crystalline Sorcerer. I'm Zach. I play Artyom. I'm also the uh, editor, producer, and technical director for Slapdash Studios. My name's Law. I'm the Dungeon Master of the League of Ultimate Questing and the creative director of Slapdash Studios. My name is Sam, and I am currently playing a goat. <laughs> I thought you were a ram. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> and I am Michael, who plays Harutex and not the many Dornish people. Uh, new episodes of the LUQ go live every Monday with bonus content every Friday. You can listen to us at theluq.com or wherever podcasts are available. And speaking of podcasts, we just launched a new show. Mm -hmm. It's called D20 Questions and new episodes of that go live the first and third Wednesday of every month. The first three should be up already. And by the time this episode comes out, there may be more than that. Even Probably like two or three more. Yep. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, if... You have questions for the show, are interested in advertising opportunities, have ideas for fake ads, or live locally in Portland and are interested in being on D20 Questions. If you are a tabletop RPG person who would qualify for being interesting enough to be on the show, uh, <laughs> email admin at slap-studios.com. You can also follow us on social media like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at slap-the-dash, or I think Facebook is slap-studios. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and uh, if you enjoyed the podcast or D20 Questions, please share it with your friends. Leave us reviews. Reviews are important. Early stages of the podcast and late stages of the podcast. You always like hear feedback from people. Uh, and until next time, we wish you luck. <laughs>